Welcome to the Prophecy Club. You may be saying, well, Stan, why haven't you talked about these shootings? The reason is, is because I already understand what's really going on. It's kind of like, why don't they have anybody at post-trib prophecy conferences talking about a post-trib rapture? Because it's already settled. In their heart, they already know and they understand the truth. That's the reason the pre-trib conferences are always having another person trying to convince them uh, something else that is just true, but it's just not true. Well, I already understand what's going on. The reason I understand that is because of the two DVDs that we're about to offer today. Now, stay with me on this. The shooters follow a pattern. If the shooters were not part of a mind-controlled program, then why would the shootings follow a pattern? Think about it. They attack our safe places. Well, this is a quiet town. Or they're a lone gunman or some kind of a weirdo that's not part of society. Because a group is far more difficult to coordinate via mind control, but it's not impossible. I mean, we just saw two attacks within, what, six hours, eight hours, something like that? Also, random targets. We hear, well, there's little or no connection to the victims, or there's no motive. The gunman has little or no reason to kill his victims. There's no discernible pattern. In other words, there's no way to stop this. The shootings seem impossible to stop, raising the fear level, and that brings all of the people to one conclusion. Only way to stop this is to confiscate guns. Nobody is saying, hey, I've got a better idea. Why don't we put the Bible back in schools? Why don't we put prayer back in schools? All seem to be active on social media. They self-destruct. Many of them kill themselves or commit suicide by, by police. They're going to shoot until they're finally killed. That may be to protect the programming inside them. And then normally within hours, the calls for gun control begin. Complicated bills already written in advance are then immediately introduced within hours as if Congress already knew it was coming. Then the gun purchases are often recent purchases all legal in most cases, as opposed to purchases over many years or stolen guns. In other words, they're attacking our gun possession. You see, if they were acquired over a process of time, eh, then people wouldn't be able to blame it on guns so much, meaning a mind control hit team is what is really doing this, in my opinion. This is the deep state, your Kazarian Mafia, Probably the same folks that have control of the suitcase nukes and will probably set them off. And why are they doing this? Okay, so let's ask ourselves that question. Why would the Gazaria Mafia, the international bankers, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, why would they want to get guns out of the hands of innocent people? Why would they want to get the guns out of the hands of the Christians? Why would you want to disarm Christians? Well, maybe it's because you want to eliminate Christians and you want to take away their opportunity to protect themselves. You see, guns in our nation were not given to us so that we could go deer hunting. Guns were given to us in our Constitution because our founding fathers knew that evil in high places would try to take over and it wanted to give the people a chance. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a series explaining, in my opinion, the best of the best, explaining what's really going on. In 2007, we had Bill Sneblin come in and make one of our most popular DVDs called Mind-Controlled Gun Confiscation. 
he explains how this started. His topics are how mind control began, pain, drugs, demons, methods to split the mind. Yes, they can do that. The purpose of mind control, the latest techniques, wireless control, the mind control pattern, and the New World Order, Antichrist, and the Mark tied in. Well, that was so popular, and believe me, you're going to love this DVD. You're going to really like this one. It was so popular, we invited him back. He made another one tying it together. It's called Vaccines, Mind Control, and the Mark. Once again, he gives an updated history of vaccines, their grotesque beginnings, Big Pharma, its relationship to the Illuminati and the New World Order, vaccines, Big Pharma, one of their largest cash cows, biblical reasons not to receive vaccines, medical reasons not to receive vaccines, vaccines and mind control, vaccines and population control, and vaccines and how they relate to the mark of the beast. Now, as you know, our two-and-a-half-hour DVDs, normally we ask a donation of $30 each, so that would be $60. However, right now at prophecyclub.com, you can get the Bill Sneblin offer. That's what you want to scan for. Bill Sneblin offer. Both of them valued at $60 for a gift of $30, but you can even do better than that. Go to watchprophecyclub.com, sign up for 20 bucks a month. Not only can you watch these two, but there's like over 300 DVDs up there. You can watch anytime you want to. And even better than that, sign up for $200 a year. Not only does it help Prophecy Club, but it also gives you instant access to watch all of these DVDs anytime you want to. That means you don't have to buy them anymore. And now I do think it's still important to get the DVD because you and I both know that that's going to be part of the Internet, that the Antichrist is going to control. And there will be a day, brothers and sisters, you will not be able to get access to the Internet unless you have the mark of the beast. So it's called the Bill Snibbling Gift Offer. Two DVDs, $60, gift of $30, prophecyclub.com. Watch prophecyclub.com to watch them instantly for a gift of 20 bucks a month. Great deal. All right, now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go over and play part of the DVD called Mind Controlled Gun Confiscation. We'll play that for a few days, and then we may have time, depending on what happens in the news, to go to his newest one, Vaccines, Mind Control, and the Mark. Now, Mind Controlled Gun Confiscation by Bill Sneblin. We've got to get into the background of the problem here. We're talking here in the last half century about the emergence of this phenomenon that has come to be known as the lone gunman. Now, a lot of people would say, well, the first lone gunman was Lee Harvey Oswald. But I frankly don't believe Lee Harvey Oswald had anything to do with the Kennedy assassination, amen? I, I think at best he was a patsy or a dupe. And at worst, you know, he might not have had anything to do with it at all. So just scratch that name off the list. That's why I put a question mark next to it. Um, August 1st, 1966 is the date that I count as the day the lone gunman emerged on American society. And this was uh, Charles Whitman in the University of Texas in Austin. Uh, he climbed up in a tower and started shooting people with a rifle. Uh, he was an all-American boy. See his picture there. An ex-Marine sharpshooter raised by a strict abusive father. And he, what he did is he basically got a, several rifles, a whole bunch of ammo. First of all, he shot his mother. There's speculation he did that because he didn't want her to be ashamed of what he was about to do. Because apparently he, he really loved his mother. His father was very, very distant and strict. 
Then he went to the University of Texas, climbed up to the top of this bell tower, and just started shooting people. Some of you, I'm sure, are old enough to remember that. Um, he killed 14 people, injured dozens others. Before finally, and mind you, this was so long ago, there weren't even SWAT teams. And, but the police nevertheless managed to clamber up to the top of the tower and get the drop on him, and they shot him and killed him. So this was the first example of something like this. And I mean, those of you that were doing it, this was almost as shattering to the American psyche as the Kennedy assassination was, because it was like another loss of innocence. It was like all of a sudden you didn't feel safe anymore, that a nice, apparently normal, all-American boy could all of a sudden turn into a stone-cold killer. And how on earth does that happen? Well, we're about to talk about that. Now, notice the date. The date was August 1st, 1966. Now, there's some strange coincidences showing up here. And, you know, you may have heard the statement that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Well, I also believe coincidence can be the devil's way of remaining anonymous. Because here you see, for example, August 1st is a major witchcraft and satanic holiday. It's called Lamas or Lugnasa. And uh, also, the year 1966 is highly significant for two reasons. Number one, Anton LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan, did so on May 1st, 1966. And at that time, he shaved his head so he looks like what you see there. And he proclaimed that this was year one, 1966, was year one of Anno Satanas. Now, just like until recently... Everybody said Anno Domini, A.D., the year of our Lord. Well, he started Anno Satanas. And today, this is Anno Satanas 41, this year. So the other thing you need to know is that this is the year that I was told when I was in Satanism that the Antichrist was born. June 6, 1966. Get it? You know, 6666. So... That is a very interesting year and a very interesting date that, that someone picked to go out and have the first shooting spree. And somehow looking at that guy, I don't think he's into witchcraft and Satanism. He just doesn't somehow look the type. Okay, I'm going to go through some, if you will, of the more infamous shootings and just kind of let you, you know, glean what you may from them. The infamous McDonald shooting, 1984, James Huberty killed 21 people and wounded 19 others in a San Isidro McDonald's. He was killed by a SWAT team member. Uh, the Stockton Schoolyard shootings in 1989. Patrick Purdy killed five little kids and wounded 29 others in a Stockton schoolyard. Then he killed himself. And that is the, the other component that, that gradually kind of fell into place is that almost all of these shooters end up killing themselves or arranging that a cop shoot them. Okay, then we see another uh, whole list of these. Uh, 9-14-89, a workplace shooting in Louisville, Kentucky, seven dead. Uh, February 2nd, 1996, two students and one teacher shot in Moses Lake, Washington. Now this is another high satanic holiday, uh, February 2nd. And if you're interested in more about this in the, in the appendix of Luciferty Throne, one of our books, we have a whole list of all the satanic holidays and what goes on there. And it's important to understand something. If you're a Satanist, you, just as much as any other faith, there are certain obligations you have to meet. 
And if you're a Satanist, these high satanic holidays require the taking of a human life. They require a human sacrifice. And Satan doesn't care if it's on an altar in some creepy temple somewhere with an idol and flames all around it and someone stabbed in the heart, or if it's some supposed nut shooting a bunch of people with a gun. It's still innocent people dying. It's still blood being shed. Because you see in the occult, and especially in Satanism, blood is power. And there's nothing that's more powerful to a Satanist than killing someone and having their blood spurt out upon the earth. I don't mean to be gross, but that's what often happens when you shoot someone, especially if you shoot them in the heart. So this stuff is intended to raise power, just like the Kennedy assassination was intended to raise power. And that's a whole other talk, but I just want you to understand why I mentioned that some of these are on satanic holidays. Okay, then we all of a sudden pick up speed. In 1997, December 1st, a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old kills 12 students in West Paducah, Kentucky. Pardon me, five students. In 1219 of 97, the very same month, a 14-year-old kills two students in Stamps, Arkansas. And then just three or four months after that, two students, one only 11 years old, 13 and 11, shoot four students and one teacher in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Okay, then of course we have one of the most infamous of all shootings, the Columbine shooting on 420 of 1999. Now this to date, at that time, was the worst shooting in history. And two young men uh, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, 18 and 17, killed 14 students and one teacher in Littleton, Colorado. We're going to v- revisit that later, but, but just it's kind of part of the lineup here right now. And of course, more recently, and less than a year ago, we have this tragedy where Carl Charles Roberts IV shot 10 Amish schoolgirls at a schoolhouse in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, and killed himself. Now, what could be safer in the minds of the American people than an Amish schoolhouse? Amish are pacifists. They don't ever believe in violence. They don't even believe in defending themselves. If they are attacked, they will die rather than take up arms. And if they have guns at all, and actually I had an opportunity to meet with some of the Amish that know these people when I was speaking in Pennsylvania, and they said, well, yeah, some Amish have rifles to hunt with, but, fire, but pistols, automatic pistols, are totally forbidden. Okay, so anyhow, this was really a very scary thing because all of a sudden, right in the middle of the rural heartland of America, this kind of insane violence came. And then, of course, the most recent thing to date, which is the Virginia Tech shootings, this Chong Seung Hui, or however you say his name, I don't know if that's right, He killed 32 people at Virginia Tech and then shot himself. And, of course, that is the worst shooting to date. But also, isn't that number significant? Because he killed 32 people, then he killed himself. What does that come out to? 33. Is that a significant number in the occult? You better believe it is. That's why the most important degree of masonry in America is the 33rd degree. Okay. Now, what are the results of these tragedies? Well, ever more and more restrictive gun control laws are being proposed and enacted. Large gun lobbies, anti-gun lobbies, I'm sorry, have been raised up. But the deaths keep mounting. 
and sower cries from the media for more laws against guns. And that's the irony. I mean, it seems like the more laws we have against guns, the more shootings there are. And it's just like a, you know, a cycle of violence, if you will. Now, in order to fully understand this, we need to go through some history. And the kind of history you don't learn in school. We're going to talk about how down through the centuries, over the last thousand years, there has been the creation of the PHA, the Programmed Human Automaton. Now, some of you may not know the word automaton. It's just an old-fashioned word from back at the 19th century for a robot, for a clockwork machine that just does whatever you wind it up, so to speak, and it just does whatever you tell it to do. And in the 19th century, when all these evil ideas were first being put together, they actually had these. They were like giant clockwork, like you have toys today that you wind up, you know. Well, they had giant clockwork men that would do things like juggle or whatever. And that's what they were thinking of. They wanted to create a biological automaton, someone who was a robot but a human being, a programmed human automaton. Now, to get back to the beginnings of this, you go back almost a thousand years to a Muslim. And this guy, his name was Hassan E. Sabah. And he was, has the dubious distinction of being the world's first terrorist, the world's first spy master, and the world's first mind control expert. And he was a member of an Islamic sect called the Ishmaelis. Now, most of you probably know there's two major sects today in Islam, the Shia and the Sunni. And you know how Muslims are about diversity. They hate each other's guts, the two of them, these two sects. That's part of the problem over in Iraq right now is that they're blowing each other up right and left. Well, there's also a tiny little sect, a third sect within Islam that's called the Ishmaelis. And naturally, these two big groups, the Sunnis and the Shias, have been trying to kill them and wipe them out for a thousand years. Now, this guy was a leader of that group, the Ishmaelis. And he realized he could never prevail through numbers. Just like Al-Qaeda figured out that it could never prevail against the United States on an open battlefield. And so instead, this guy resorted to terrorism and mind control and espionage. And what he'd do is very simple. He would bring recruits to his castle who were zealots. They wanted to, you know, die for Allah. And he would sit them down and give them a sumptuous meal. And he would lace that meal with hashish. That's why this group is called the Order of the Hashishim. And by the way, that's where you get the word assassin. Our modern word assassin is a derivation of the name Hashishim. So anyhow, he fed this guy lots of hashish. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if anybody's used marijuana in this church or if they've used hashish. I have. And I'll tell you, hashish is very powerful because it's a distillation of marijuana, of the active ingredient in marijuana, which is delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, popularly known as THC. That's what gives you the buzz when you smoke a joint. Well, hashish is many times stronger than marijuana. And what marijuana or hashish basically do is they make everything you do feel better, taste better, smell better. That's why you get the munchies when you eat, when you smoke pot. 
I can remember back in my hippie witch days, I would like, you know, I'd go through five bags of potato chips in one hour. You know, I was so, because everything tastes just so wonderful. And of course, you know, making love is quite extraordinary on, on pot. But the problem is, pot is 400 times more carcinogenic than tobacco. And it also gunks up your brain. See, I was gifted by the Almighty with a photographic memory when I was a young man, when I was a college student. And then I started smoking dope, and it kind of went away. And I've been trying to get it back for the last 20 years. And it's getting, it's, it's getting better, you know, I'm taking lots of good herbs, you know. But anyway, the point is I'm not trying to stand up here and say, oh, you all got to go out and smoke dope. Because the downside is awful, aside from the fact that, of course, it's illegal. So it, it, it'll really mess you up and give you cancer. In fact, when I worked in a drug agency, oh, man, we saw some people that were, they couldn't find their way out of their own pajamas without help because they've been smoking pot so long. And, and there was a slogan we had that if you smoke dope, it'll take you three times longer to respond when somebody says, hey, stupid. So this guy would give his candidates lots of hashish. They would get, as we say in the 60s, zonked out of their skull. He would carry these candidates into this inner garden in his castle. And there there were beautiful, fragrant flowers, wonderful palm trees, babbling brooks, and lots of gorgeous women. Because you know what is the Islamic paradise, right? You get to eat pork, which is forbidden to Muslims on earth. You get to drink all you, the wine you want, which is forbidden to Muslims while they're on earth. And you get 72 virgins, you know. And you only get four wives on earth if you're a Muslim. So therefore, just think of that. You get 72 virgins. So this guy's in this garden and all these women are pawing him and everything and he's just having the time of his life. For two or three hours, that's how long the high lasts. And then when he starts to come down, they bring him back, set him in the chair in front of Hassani Sabah. And he says to him, I have just taken you to paradise. If you serve me in jihad and die in the service of Allah, that is where you go where you die. And the guy says, where do I sign up? You know, where do I sign up? Because he's been given a very real taste of what he believes to be heaven. And so this is what this, this Hassan guy would use as his, as his elite army. And what would happen is, is that the, in, in Islam, in the medieval period, these two sects of Sunni and Shia were run by, they were called caliphs. And the, and the groups were called caliphates. And they were like religious theocracies, dictatorships, run by these caliphs who were, had the blood of the prophet in their veins. And they would come up against this man, this Hassani Sabah, and attack him in his castle. And thousands and thousands of soldiers. But never did they actually succeed in getting near his castle. Because what would happen is, he would, um, he would have some of his men stand up on the parapet, a thousand feet overlooking a valley, in front of all these other troops. And he'd snap his fingers and a dozen men would leap to their death, smiling all the way down. And the troops would flee in terror because they knew they didn't want to fight somebody that crazy. The other thing he did is he invented the mole. What's a mole? I'm not talking about the little rodent that tears up your lawn. I'm talking about an espionage concept where you bury someone 
deep in an organization of your enemies and they'd sit there for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and then all of a sudden you need them, you give them a signal and they kill someone or whatever. And there's a story told that one time one of these caliphs was ready to invade Hassan's castle in the mountains of Alamut. And he went to bed that night surrounded by a hundred retainers, men who had been with him for years, including a lot of his own sons, armed with scimitars. He woke up the next morning. There were nine Hashishim daggers buried in the pillow right around his head. And there's a distinctive dagger. He knew they were his because it's like a dagger that looks like a little wavy, almost like a flame. You've probably seen pictures of them in books. So anyway, he fled because he knew there were nine people in his elite staff that would kill him at the drop of a hat. This was the beginning of modern mind control. This was the beginning of the Illuminati. And in seed form, everything that this guy did is present today, of course, more technological improvements in the modern-day Illuminati and in modern-day mind control. When this man died, his last words were, nothing is true, Everything is permissible. And he died in his bed, an old man. Now, what happened was, is the crusade started just about the time that this was all going on. And supposedly Christian knights came over to reclaim the Holy Land from the Muslims. And among them were a group called the Knights Templar. You've all heard of them, I know. And I I know I spent a lot of time talking about them in a couple of my other videos, but I need to touch on this. What happened was, is the Knights Templar were warrior monks who were supposed to guard the sacred places in the Holy Land, the Tomb of Christ, you know, the site of the crucifixion, all these different things. And they were dedicated. They were supposed to be religious zealots. And they fought the Hashishim. And then they became friends with the Hashishim. And then they brought the seekers of the Hashishim back with them to Europe when the Crusades were over and they came home. Now, the Knights Templar were vastly wealthy. They were the richest entity at that time in Europe. And and they were wealthier than the Vatican. They were wealthier than all the crowned heads in Europe put together. In fact, all the crowned heads in Europe and the Vatican were in hock to the Knights Templar. Because how many of you realize the Knights Templar were the world's first bankers? They were the world's first international bankers. They invented the traveler's check, and they invented the high-interest loan. And so, because of this, because the Pope was in hock and the King of France was in hock to the uh, Knights Templar, they conspired to take them out. And in the 14th century, they were uh, suddenly fell upon by French soldiers, and thousands of knights were taken prisoner, tortured, and burned at the stake. But many of them escaped and they took their treasures with them. They had their own fleet. They were, that, they were that big an organization. They had a fleet of ships, the ships most people believe. I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. At WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal. If you like Prophecy Club, if it is one of your ministries that you support, if you feel like we're doing the right thing, then... 
would you consider sending us a donation? It's summertime, and man, our donations have dropped just, just down to almost nothing. So if you could help us right now, it would really be appreciated. Prophecyclub.com. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end time events can be placed in chronological order. For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ on the great white throne, the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. And even though I've been in Bible prophecy for 40 years, I freely admit to you that I knew nothing that is revealed in this book supernaturally. So you probably know nothing that is in this book. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 Or a new case price, 60 books for $250. That's 60 books in a case for $250. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. 